0: Today is Sunday, it's March 29th, 2020, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Uh, We're going to have the thought of the week, and we're going to have prayer. We're going to ask, I believe it's Dwight and Bill.
1: All right, are you ready to start? Yes. All right, here's the thought of the week. We are seated with him. It is very easy to talk about Christ and the heights to which he is raised. Most will understand this easily because we know that Christ is the God-man. However, from the verses in question, we are the subject. We are raised to the position he occupied. We further read that for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn man among many brothers, from Romans 8.29. We are those many brothers. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. This is our current position. But we will have we will have the reality when he comes for us. We quote will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever, from 1 Thessalonians four seventeen. Since this is our position and our destiny, we should begin to order our lives to reflect God's desire. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, in Colossians 3, 2. The work of God is so complete that our lives are joined to the life of Christ. We are in this position because, quote, He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, Ephesians 1.4. We must continue to explore what God has done. It takes spiritual growth to see past ourselves to what God has created in Christ. And that is the thought of the week. And I'd first like to offer some commentary on the simple gospel. It might sound complex to somebody who has not understood the gospel before. And saying, well, how does this happen? How do we become many brothers and all that?
0: But there is learning
1: that takes place after salvation. Salvation is but a moment. The moment that you place your trust and faith in Christ Jesus for the work that He has done on their behalf, the work that He has done in executing the Father's plan. The Father's plan was to ultimately be that we would be there would be many brothers um, seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. But that first step is salvation, <clears throat> and in this day and age, in the church age since Pentecost, those things happen automatically. I don't know of a better word to say that, but when there is salvation in the church age, there is also a baptism of the Spirit, which creates this identity that has never been seen in this world before. We are chosen to be predestined and conformed to the likeness of his Son. Since before creation began, creation was started because of all of this being in the Father's goal. So how do we even begin this fantastic journey? We take the first step, and that is to accept the work that Christ has already done on our behalf. But it's by grace we are saved. And it's not of us. This is the gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. And that is my commentary on the thought of the week, and Bill will give us the prayer. Thank you, boy so at this time, if uh, anyone uh, stands in need of prayer or knows someone, this is the time that we do so, as always, pray for me as
0: I pray for you. Okay, so
1: no one has any requests. I'll go forward with prayer. We can bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you once again, O oh Lord, that you allow us to put together a forum that we can come together in fellowship with you. We thank you for our pastor, and the whole of Truth family. We pray for this whole globe, O oh Lord, for surely we are in uh, unknown territories that even affect the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. We pray for your guidance and your wisdom, We pray that you keep us safe, O Lord. We pray for the families that have already lost loved ones. Father God, it's in
0: Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you both. Um, We're going to continue where we left off last week. And uh, hopefully you have notes uh, today. And you can refer to your notes if you want to follow along with the outline that's there. And in your notes, we're going to be covering John 14:17 today. Whether we get through it or not, I don't know. We'll see. John 14:17 says, "The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you." Our focus is the Holy Spirit, even though his role describes that, quote, he will not speak on his own, unquote. Further, our Lord says, quote, he will speak only what he hears, unquote, and, quote, he will glorify me, unquote. It is clear to me that another term for the Spirit is Spirit of Christ, That's found in Romans 8 9, which agrees with everything we already covered from the book of John. We need to take some time to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Without the influence of the Spirit in our lives, where would we be? Quote, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30. So the Holy Spirit has a vital role in the spiritual lives of every believer in this world. And it doesn't matter. We're not talking about uh, you're in the United States or you're somewhere overseas. It's the same role for everybody. Why? Because it's the same goal, same mission. We're here for a purpose. So we're going to go through, uh, there's a lot of back and forth here in the Bible, so if you just want to listen, that's fine, but if you would like to turn to these scriptures and look at them for yourselves, please, by no means, I I would welcome your uh, participation in that way. So let's try to break this verse down. There's only three major divisions that I see. So I wanted to talk about number one is the spirit of truth, and I say First of all, this is my, probably my favorite title for the Holy Spirit. It is not only a title, but it describes his emphasis, which should be ours as well. And I say that because, interestingly enough, when we hear from the world, uh, when they talk about the Holy Spirit, he is not often talked about as the spirit of truth but it is the very term that Christ spoke of him uh, using uh, those words and so I'm really impressed as I think about what the implications are for how he introduced the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit will come like what is the timeline like then it was Pentecost and the Spirit was given and then what happens after right We're in the after, obviously, after Pentecost. So I would hope, you know, you pay close attention to that timeline because we we don't want to just mix everything up. And, you know, I've also seen where people just lump everything into the, you know, oh, it's the indwelling is the same as the filling and the filling is the same as the baptism and the baptism is the same. You know, they don't have any distinctive thinking about what the different ministries bring to the table, what they enable us to do or be <clears throat> or see. So it is an interesting title to be give the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. I really think, uh, you know, when I, especially the uh, John chapter 16 passage, which is very, I would have to say, a classic. I can't wait till we get to it. But, I mean, we've been talking about it so much, that's what makes it a classic, even before we get to the actual verse, sixteen thirteen, where Jesus says, I, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. I mean, that, to me, is, it helps us orient to the time that Jesus spoke, uh, to, the, to Pentecost, and then we get to know uh, what to expect after Pentecost. So we have, uh, there is a scripture on the table here, it's in Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3, 7 through 9. Let's turn to Ephesians 3, and verse 7 says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So the reason why I wanted to bring that forward is because as we can see that it is Paul's emphasis as well to get this message out. And and I really appreciate the fact that uh, we have such corroboration in the scriptures. You know, we got John saying one thing and we got uh, Paul saying another thing. And we got Peter saying something else. And and guess what? All of them agree with the same message. They're all on the same uh Uh, father's plan that's what we're dealing with so the father has it the spirit has it the son has it everyone has it the pastors are supposed to have it we as whoever we are in the church are supposed to have it Uh, and then from there uh, it is to go out as a unified message to the world this is our rallying cry this is our call to action. And so I would hope everybody gets on this page and makes it the reason for waking up in the morning. Why are you here? Right, The, the, the destiny that should shape the way you, your day is and how you, you go about uh, the business of life. So this Ephesians 3, 7 through 9, and there's more, which after 9, but. It definitely describes, in my point of view, why Jesus said this is the spirit of truth. Uh, we're going to get to more of that as we go forward. So let's let the passage develop. <clears throat> point B. We should be reminded that the Holy Spirit is God. Right? <laughs> we don't want to just make it seem like the Holy Spirit is some sort of force or influence. Or I want to turn to Acts and this is Acts chapter 5. This is where, and there are lots of passages that talk about the Holy Spirit being God, but I just wanted to refer you to this one passage so that you can just get the flavor of what Peter was saying here. So, um, Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. So Peter is asking this question of Ananias. uh, And and he says, literally, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. He didn't say you lied to the Father. He didn't say you lied to the Son. He didn't even say you lied to us. He said you lied to the Holy Spirit. And then verse 4. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? And this is Peter's last statement in this verse. You have not lied to just human beings, but to God. Now that is the part that should grab every one of you. And when we're dealing with God, the Holy Spirit, we want to make sure we understand that he's God. Uh, He is so intimate with us. I mean, he gets into the detail of our lives. But just know, he sees all, he understands all, and there's nothing hidden from God, the Holy Spirit. He is that integrated with your spirit that there is nothing that the Holy Spirit doesn't know about you. I'm not saying all this to scare you. I'm just helping you understand the close integration and with whom we have to do. Okay, that's God, the Holy Spirit. You didn't lie to human beings. Yes, you did. I could say, yeah, yeah, you did lie to human beings. <laughs> but he said, you lied to God. That's something to consider about who we're dealing with when we're thinking about. Did Peter think that the Holy Spirit was God? Absolutely. We're not just talking about the divinity of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand the majesty of who he is. So we should be reminded of that. I think it's it's a good opportunity as we're looking and our focus may be the Holy Spirit. We want to understand a little bit about who he is. And then point C, truth. He is the spirit of truth. So he will guide us into all truth. That's the passage in John I quoted earlier. So that passage orients us to the fact that this is Pentecostal truth. The reference that Jesus was, was saying there about the spirit of truth would be when he comes. And when he comes is at Pentecost. So we could all say we are all Pentecostals. Now I know that's you probably don't want to wear that title. I, I get it. I know some of the things that uh, others have done and said about titles, and we don't even want to associate. We're Christians, okay? <laughs> but but just know that the church began at Pentecost. The Spirit descended. And this is when the church began. I would say also, the ministry of Christ began at Pentecost. It wasn't the Pentecost that happened in 70, or not, not 70, but uh, when, when uh, Christ, but just before he ascended, this was when Christ was baptized by John the Baptist, and the Spirit came down on him like a dove. And this is one of the signs that John the Baptist knew. He says, oh, when the spirit descends on a person like that, that's the one, right? John saw him come and knew it was the one. But when that spirit came down and descended on Christ, that's when his ministry began. Now, not to say he wasn't the Christ prior to that. He was, but that was a marked difference. And soon as the spirit descended, everything changed in the life of Christ. Maybe he was a carpenter. Maybe he worked with his father. Maybe this or maybe that. But one thing happened for sure. He began the ministry. He went out into the desert. He was tested. He came back. He began to call his disciples unto himself. And, and beyond that, he began his ministry. And uh, you know, it goes on from there. So the spirit is important. And we need to understand what the spirit brings to our life and how it works we're that's what why we're we're going through these verses but just know it's pentecostal truth i'm having a little fun with that but when it happened there was a a, we we could say truth existed truth is the revelation of god if we want to look at what truth is it is the revelation of god and if we could understand truth all the way up to the point where the disciples were standing there looking at Jesus and him saying hey listen I got much more to tell you more than you can now bear but when the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth comes you're going to know he's going to this is what he's going to do he's going to take this he's going to show you more he's going to well those things we can describe truth as what happened in previous and this point where the Holy Spirit comes and he shows us what he will guide us into all truth. So there's truth and there's all truth. The all truth part of it is what we are focusing on. And that all truth, that extra truth is also couched or or said to be a mystery. It was not known in prophecy form or any other form in the old testament it wasn't known at all it says none of them understood it and further in ephesians it says it was hid in god not angels didn't know about it satan didn't know about it Uh, you could go on and on and say well nobody knew about this plan of god uh from uh from the scriptures, from any revelation, for any particular reason, nobody. Even if you had died and gone to, gone to be with the Lord, right, or in paradise, you didn't know anything about this plan of God. I mean, it, this is until it was revealed by Jesus to his disciples, and uh, shortly, uh, as he's mentioning, Pentecost came. That's when it began to be Uh, revealed so just to understand when we talk about what is all truth that's a difference between the truth that had already been revealed and uh, just like it says for those things that have been revealed it was for those people to obey and to and to adjust to 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 receive that revelation but now the church age has begun and this new information. It's not just a new age where well, we're just ushering in Jews and Gentiles. you got to get the entire breadth of this age. You can't stop short and say, okay, I, I, new new means uh, I'm, I just don't go to church on Saturday, but I go on Sunday. New just means now I can eat pork. Uh, please make sure you, you, you take in the full breadth of this thing. It would be like uh, in the Old Testament, attending Mount Sinai, the the, the Mount Sinai convention, which Moses went up and the mountain shook and it quaked and, and all this stuff happened and there was earthquakes and loud peals of thunder and lightning, right? And all this stuff, and the people were shaking in their boots. They were afraid of what was happening on that mountain. And then walking away as if, ah, it didn't really happen. It wasn't a big deal. But let me tell you, Pentecost was bigger than Mount Sinai. What happened at Pentecost is huge in terms of what God is doing. And the world may not recognize that, even though God testified to it by signs and wonders and miracles. never had been done before he 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 signaled that this was the direction he was going so but this was bigger than the giving of the law the law was a component part this is the biggest thing that ever happened in in human history right here the revelation of the mystery So we need to adjust to that. And I could even assign as to why all of that is. Because if this is the plan of God, if this was his motivation, if this was his thinking before uh, the universe was created, and then he hid it within himself until now, I have to say that has to be pretty big. Uh, 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 As Ed Sullivan would show, it's a really big, big show. And, And that's where we are right now. So make sure, whatever you do in your spiritual life, that you do not ignore this. And that it, 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 the Holy Spirit is not the spirit of emotion. right? You could be emotional all you want. And there are a lot of churches who have just took, taken Pentecost and turned this into just being very emotional for God. When Jesus calls it the spirit of truth and being led into all truth. Information that has never before been revealed. I mean, it has to be something super in my point of view. Something extraordinary has happened and people are minimizing it. Well, who would minimize the biggest deal for God? Who would want to do that? It would be Satan. Yeah, it would be Satan. Just like the verse in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, how is it That Satan has filled your heart, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. So we can see that uh, Ananias wasn't just uh, wanting to hold back some money. I mean, he could have just said, okay, here's what I'm going to give to the church. He made it seem like he was more uh, giving than he really was. So it sounds like to me he was trying to gain some position of authority in the church by his donation. And, uh, he was lying and, uh, I don't want to have to read what happened next. You can read it and you could, uh, you can all read it in your Bibles. Uh, that was acts five, three, and four. You can read acts chapter five, six, and seven and following for yourselves. Let's keep going. So we were just, uh, we should be reminded truth. Okay. So it's Pentecostal truth point D our references other references to truth and let's look at some of the other references to this truth because Jesus says i have much more to tell you much more that's in the mind of christ but but right now they weren't able to bear but when the spirit of truth comes he will do he will this information will come out 1 corinthians 2 okay and verse 9 and 10, much more to tell you, right? So 9 says, however, as it is written, just remember these words, because I may revisit them. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. He has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit spirit searches all things even the deep things of god so this is when we talk about truth this is a further description of what jesus said in john chapter 16 this is more to tell you about right eye has not seen ear has not heard neither i mean to me that just raises the bar (laughs) it is just more phenomenal for, for things that are outside of this world, of this world's experience or knowledge or even uh, capability. It is beyond human capability. But the spirit, and what spirit? The spirit of truth here. And this is 1 Corinthians, right? this is not just general talk. This is about Pentecost. This is the deep things of God is... God has now opened up his heart to us. So we need to pay close attention to things that don't have a frame of reference in this world. So whatever happened, whatever truth there was prior to Pentecost, it is under what God's ultimate plan was. So if God is saying, this is my ultimate right here, I'm I'm hiding it because... Uh, it it doesn't pertain to those previous dispensations but now I'm revealing it. Uh, well you you should know this is the pinnacle of wisdom right This is God releasing this information at a particular time when he's ready. So this is this, this is truth here and the kind of truth or the quality of truth here is not human truth. It's divine. So just know that. That's 1 Corinthians chapter one, uh, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Uh, look at chapter, here's another reference to it. I'm going to turn to chapter 13. And we're in 1 Corinthians. We're going to 1 Corinthians 13. And this is one that I'm not sure how many people have caught, caught on to this or not. But I have. And I wanted to share it with you. So, First Corinthians, First Corinthians 12, 13, uh, 13, rather, 12, I'm reversing the numbers here, says, it says this, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Okay, so, This is a a verse that is uh, a reference to when Jesus says the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. So now, since Pentecost came, I would assume we have all truth. Right? That's that would be a good assumption to make. Well, what do you mean all truth? I mean the actual eternal purpose of God. If you didn't know, maybe you didn't get to, you know, the curiosity. Uh, uh, enough curiosity to say, well why why are we here and why is that here and why is the universe here and and where did God come from? and all these questions you could start asking well, these questions are answered for us whatever I mean this is the pinnacle of uh, not only question and answer but whatever question you have, God has a sufficient answer and even more on top of that. So this verse is in the, everybody calls this the love chapter, but there's much more to it than that. Uh, If you start at eight, he says, love never fails because because love is the consistent theme, period, with God. So uh, love never fails, uh, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled where there is knowledge it will pass away so those are gifts the gift of prophecy the gift of tongues the gift of knowledge right it will pass away and if you are curious to how do you know these things are gifts go in the previous chapter verse 12 chapter 12 and it details all of the gifts that and more but paul picks out a few here just to to say uh some of these gifts are going to cease uh prophecies, right, tongues, these are all communication gifts, note, and they're going to come to an end, right, Uh, verse 9, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, and when he says we know in part, it means our knowledge is fragmentary, it's not complete, right, and we prophesy, when we prophesy now, it was not uh, complete, it's not the full, right, that's what he's saying. But when the completeness comes, or when, when that which is, is in part is done away, right, we will have what is complete. What is, and the, verse 10 says, when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Well, what's in part? Well, temporary. What's temporary? Those spiritual gifts. No in part, the knowledge that, you know, we have, God is releasing this information and we don't fully know what it is. And therefore, that's prophecy. It's the prophecies that are given to guide and direct the church in this infancy period are not complete because, I mean, the church doesn't know. Right? So we need these temporary gifts. So verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put ways of childhood behind me. What are ways of childhood? And what does it mean to be a child? It means you don't have complete information. You lack, right? I know in part and I prophesy in part. Right? A child does not have full reason. A child doesn't have wisdom and understanding. Right? The child is still in the learning process. So the, the child's thinking and the child's reasoning are going to be at that level. But then he says, but when I became a man, I put child, a childhood behind me, meaning uh, I, can, I can talk about the stages of development here and know that when I get older, I will have grown up and I, I don't have to be a child anymore. Verse 12, and here's the verse I, I pulled out, for now we only see, or we see only a reflection as in a mirror. And a reflection as in a mirror. And the mirror was like the law, right? That was a, another way of saying the law. We, we see a reflection as in a mirror. But then we see face to face. So there's now and then. The then is not here yet. The now is what Paul is talking about. For now, we see in a refle- a reflection as in a mirror, right? We don't see the, you know, in mirrors, uh, in the ancient world, we're not really uh, like mirrors today they were just polished metal or people would look in uh, water and see their reflection in the water but they were not like mirrors today you could see literally every detail that you have on your face but not that way so it was not it was a poor reflection right this is what he's saying like in a mirror but then when, when this time comes, when the fullness, when he becomes a man, and he doesn't have to worry about look, childhood anymore. Uh, but then, face to face. It will it be like you looking and talking to somebody directly, face to face. Now that is a difference. I mean, there's a big difference from poor reflection is in the mirror and face to face. Now I know in part. Now, Paul's saying, I know in part then so the then is not here yet and knowing in part is the temporary gift of knowledge and it's just temporary right it, it, we don't have the fullness of it but then shall i know fully even as i am fully known now nobody questions whether god fully knows us earlier i said that the holy spirit there is nothing hidden from the holy spirit he sees everything about who you are And he understands everything about who you are. There's nothing to hide from God. (laughs) That's the truth. And we saw the example of Peter and the guy holding back some of the money. He sold the property and and so forth. But in this case, we need to know that there is nothing clearer than face-to-face when we see face-to-face. That face-to-face comes when we have the fullness the mystery in our hands. Prior to this, the church didn't have this. Paul was still writing the Corinthians, in fact, that, which became, uh, these, these letters actually became script part of the canon of scripture. So how do we know that then, that now, to complete the canon of scripture? And now, verse 13, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So I always look at this last verse as a, to set the, the time period here. All right. So what is Paul talking about? And now these three remain. Because somebody will think about eternity. They'll say, oh, well, you're saying that then we'll we know face to face, right? And there's songs, face to face with Christ my Savior and all that. Well, he tells us, what time period? He was very clear in the previous verses. Now I'm this. Then I'll be that. Now I'm this. Then I'll have full knowledge. Uh, but but in this last verse, and now these three remain. So when he says now these three remain, let's look at the three. See what he's talking about. Faith. Well, obviously he's talking about here because Faith uh, is uh, the substance of what we can't can't see, right? Or is substance for what we don't see. We don't see it here. So when faith meets, when we get to eternity, we won't need faith anymore because we'll be face to face in terms of our reality. Right? That there won't need, we, there won't be a need of faith anymore because. I mean, we don't have to uh, believe God for something that is not actually here. Because we, we will have everything. We'll be rewarded. We'll have everything we, if, we, if we're going to get rewards. And we'll have everything from God that we need. We don't need faith. So whenever the now is, right, it is during the church age. and Because it, it says these three remain. When it says remain, remain as opposed to what? Like, as opposed to things that do not remain. There will be some things in this that do not remain. So now I know in part, and we prophesy in part, right? What tongues, they're going to cease. Uh, prophecies, they're going to be still. Whether there's knowledge, it will pass away. That's temporary. But these three remain, and will remain when? Remain throughout the church age. Faith, hope, and love. So we already discussed faith, What about hope? Do we need hope when we get to eternity? I don't think so. The hope will be realized. Just like it says in Romans 8, where he says, who hopes for what he already has? And if if we have it, what are we hoping for? This is Romans 8, 20-something, right? So 22nd or something. Who hopes for what he already has? So he's obviously relating the now, to the church age, right? We're not going to ever stop having hope, right? This is, we're waiting for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So hope is something that we cling to, something that we hold on to, something that shapes our destiny so that we can go through these uh, tough times. Uh, Faith and hope are needed for those things while we're in the world. And love. But the greatest of these is love. So love is the complete motivation that we need while living in this world. Right? We have faith. We have hope. But the reason for us doing things should be love. Love means not only do we know what God's plan is, but we agree with God's plan. But not just that, but that we love it. We're our whole self is behind God's eternal plan. That's the love he's talking about. So this is further information. The, the The knowledge that we have completes what God intends to give in terms of revelation. It completes everything. So all truth has to be looked at now in the light of the greater truth, and that is this church age. It's the pinnacle of all that God wanted. Let's continue on uh, Ephesians three. Let's look at this one. I know we're not going to get that far. That's okay. Ephesians three. It's probably me going slow as usual. Three Ephesians three sixteen through nineteen. So what are we talking about? We're talking about this truth, and uh, just like Jesus says, much more. I say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. We could see that the truth didn't get out all at once to the church. But now that we have the completed canon of Scripture, that means every word that God wanted to tell us about truth, all the books of Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, John, and all the other books that we needed to understand what the Holy Spirit can lead and guide and direct the church into are here. We have them. And we have the greatest mentor ever. That's God, the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians 3, let's look at 16 more information from the spirit where it says I pray this is Paul he says I'm on my knees for you guys and I pray out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so this is how God the Father right is directing things on the ground through God the Holy Spirit who is the person of God who is on the ground it is Jesus is not here now right now but God the Holy Spirit is so he says I'm praying right uh, out of his glorious riches and the glorious riches uh, are a reference to our age it talks about these unsearchable riches the wealth and all that right we can read those things over and over But what that all means is what God has invested in the church that's his eternal purpose so then in 16, he's saying that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So how is he going to strengthen us with power? Through his spirit in your inner being. So there's there's that part of us that continues to, to, to grow in knowledge, right? And, 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 and the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So as we grow, we're taking on more and more of the mind of christ as we grow in knowledge and truth we are being transformed into his image right from one degree of glory to another that's how the, the gradual growth begins but this is how this god is, is seeing this he is directing this spiritual growth he may strengthen us with, with power through his spirit that's the holy spirit who's on the ground in your inner being and that is the real you. It's not what's happening on the outside. Remember, you are a temple. God owns you. And he is, all these things have happened to us as a result of this age. So then it goes on and says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ dwelling in your heart, living. This is the Christian way of life. It is not just us trying to behave as Christ would. It is literally us getting out of the way and allowing Christ to manifest in us, to be a part of who we are, right? To take up the reins of our lives and our motivations and live in this world as Christ. Like Paul would say in Galatians, for me to live, Christ. To die, profit. What's going to happen if he dies? Well, he's going to be face to face, present with the Lord. But to the life he lives on the earth, what is it? Christ. It's Christ living in me. So those are, those are some of the advanced Christian doctrines that we have. And let's continue. Let's might as well just go ahead. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this is part of the mystery doctrine. I mean, which is Christ in you, the hope, the very actual hope of glory. So when it says hope, whenever hope is used, just like we said in the... Uh, Corinthians passage it is not realized yet so we don't have the fullness of it but it's coming you can be sure of it the apps hope means absolute confidence that's what it means the absolute confidence of glory and the glory is also relative to the very unsearchable riches and and that is mentioned the wealth of what god has invested in the church so so christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So here, that rooted and established means that this is the very core of your being, right? Just like a root is to a plant, right? It is the very core of where what you're coming from. We could even say that it's in your DNA. This is another term people use today to really describe getting to the very core of something. It is being rooted and established. Now notice here what it is, it's love that we're established in. So the this transformation process where we're being transformed into his image, right? Hits a point here where we are totally out of the way. Just like it says, set your heart on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. In God now, well, what's happening in your life now? Christ is here. He's walking in you. He's alive, right? so so what, are, what how did that happen? Love. that means the Father's eternal purpose, you loved it. It means you didn't just hear about it. You, you, it's not news like breaking news to you. You understand it. you've come to the fullness of the understanding of it. And you love it. it. That is a different category. Loving it means now it's your destiny. You have linked arms with God the Holy Spirit. And he has not only revealed these things to you, but he's empowering you to walk according to these, these truths in your life. So you are rooted and established in love. So that, right, so, or, or so that you may have power... This is verse 18, together with all the Lord's people, right? And this power is the same power that we saw in verse 16. And I pray that out of his glory, as rich, riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and in your inner being. So this is the verse 18, that you may have power together with all the Lord's people. And what kind of power? If I say something, the whole world falls over. No, this is the kind of power that it is to grasp. The grasp means to apprehend, to understand, to not only understand but to cling to, and that's where the love comes in, because when you love it, you are involved in it. It's not God just like the law. He says, "Here's the law, you know, this do and live right." And the people did it or they didn't do it. And God had to respond in justice. Well, here, God is saying that we're beyond that. I'm putting my spirit within you. And my spirit is me. It's God. All of us are, each one of us, each each person of God is on the same page. And I'm putting my spirit within you so that you may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So this those dimensions that are mentioned, the, the height, the width, the length, right, and, and, and the depth, those those dimensions are referring to the it can only refer to the Father's eternal purpose. That you finally have enough understanding that you can see eye to eye with God. And we saw in First Corinthians. Right, chapter 2, where it says that we could see things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have they entered into the heart of man. And then the next verse says, but these things have been revealed to us by means of his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So there is nothing that the Spirit can't see when it comes to God, because he is God this is the role the the role isn't that well i'm gonna be i'm gonna make the spirit god the role is that God the Holy Spirit communicates god information to us that's what it that's what his role on earth is he never did that before he only related to what things of salvation uh, people are lost they need to be saved okay not only are you say but let me show you how to live according to the to law, right? What's your the destiny, right? If you're a gentile, let me let me give you experience of what God has for you. But here, the thoughts of God are being revealed to us. So we can't relate to that in human terms. We have to. There's no frame of reference or point of of reference for us to go back and say, "Oh, yes, yeah, just like this." This is totally new information. So we have to grasp it. We have to apprehend it. We have to come to the understanding of it. And it is a gradual understanding, as we do know. So we get the height, the depth, the width, and the length of the Father's plan. That means we see eye to eye with the Father. Now I could say, well, there's no way in my finite mind that I could see eye to eye. There's absolutely no way for that to happen. I don't have the intelligence. I I, I just don't have the capacity, the competence, to be able to to think on the level with God. However, with a God-infused person that I have become in Christ, I can think on the level of God. And this is not arrogance or something. It is what the scripture is literally telling me right now. That I may grasp how wide and long. And how, how did I do it? Is Just about human knowledge? No. All this had to do with the power and the spirit being strengthening me in my inner being. This is what God has destined for me. The wisdom that he destined for me before time began. So then it goes on and says... That those dimensions, that how deep is the love of Christ? Now, according to the Greek, this is what I've done—you know—corrected a little of the translation here. It should be love for Christ. That's what it is. So, why should I say the love for Christ? Because everything that the Father has planned from eternity past, before there was anything, had to do with this plan that he came up with. And Christ was the, the medium by which he was going to accomplish this plan. It says it as much in the verse right here. Uh, verses, Ephesians 10, 3.10, go back to 3.10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. <clears throat> the manifold wisdom of God should be made known, not be kept and, and coveted in, and kept in, in God's own heart. But now it should be made known. How is it going to be made known? Through the church, this new entity that God has created, that he has invested and infused with those ministries of the Holy Spirit. According, verse 11, to his eternal purpose, and these last words are so important, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's not only did Christ come and pay for our sins, but he also accomplished these things as well. He accomplished them in Christ. Did he know Christ was Was going to do these things. Oh people reverted that verse. Oh yeah Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. No. That's not what we're referring to here. We're referring to God's eternal purpose. Before there was a foundation of the world. We're referring to the fact that he would bring many sons into glory. And that those sons would be conformed. unto the image of his son. That he would be the last Adam. And that anybody who was in him would be a new creation, never before seen in this world. Not just a new human creation, but Christ is the Lord from heaven. We'll get more to that later. I know we're going on and on. So back to Ephesians, let's finish this off. So how wide and how deep is the love, and we should say for Christ, because that is the Father's plan, and the love for Christ speaks of the Father's fully invested in this plan. Obviously, we know that because we wouldn't be here if he wasn't. Does the father love the plan? Absolutely. But this isn't a reference to the father's love for the plan. It is a reference to our love for the plan. How wide, how deep, how long is the love for Christ? We can grasp that. And to know, verse 19, this love. What do we mean, know this love? The love that the Father hath for Christ, meaning the eternal purpose of the Father. To know this love that surpasses gnosis. It goes beyond knowing. And it goes to the same verses. eyes have not seen, ear have not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man. These are, but God has revealed these things to us by means of the Spirit. How important is that spirit? Without him, as I said in the opening, where would we be? So to know this love, <clears throat> to, that goes beyond, surpasses knowledge, surpasses knowing. Period. Meaning it is beyond human comprehension. It surpasses. It goes. It goes beyond. That word surpasses, like. It's like throws beyond. It's like throwing a ball. It doesn't reach the mark. But then a person throws a ball, and it not only reaches the mark, but it goes beyond the mark. It surpasses what was it was intended to go on. So which surpasses. And what is uh, gnosis? It's human knowledge, human wisdom, human understanding. All that human beings can muster is what this surpasses. And so what, what is the result of that? that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. These verses are definitely a a factor. And as we think about all that uh, we're talking about here, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, when it says filled, then that word "filled" is pleroma of the measure of the measure means there's imagine there's a cup, and it's half full. And that word, the Greek word, there is pleroma, and filled means that it's beyond. It goes not only half full, but it's full. And so, when he says filled to the measure what's the measure the measure of what human beings can know the measure of how much can we actually get to or what god intended to share with us what's the measure the measure is here then it's just not just the fullness of god it says all the fullness of god i don't know how you can you can make this less than in any way And what god himself thinks and has that we should be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. There is no statement in the Bible that is that complete with regard to us and what has been revealed than this passage. I and mean, prior to this, we talked about the eternal purpose, which was the pinnacle of understanding and thought. And now, He tells us what it all means. That we might be filled to the measure. Not just the measure means, so like we, we read earlier, uh, we didn't read it today, but it talks about in Ephesians 4, that we might reach the fullness and stature of Christ. So that word stature is how tall a person may be. That is their stature. And if we can get to the level, if God is saying that we can get to the level that we will be as tall as Christ, But it's not referring to height. It's a metaphor. It is referring to his relationship and his wisdom and knowledge that he has. Because remember, all the wisdom and knowledge that is in Christ came from the Father. Christ says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I'm making it known to you. So all of that wisdom and knowledge was invested in the person of Christ. It was accomplished in Christ. All of this. And then we now derive from that. So we can reach the fullness and stature, the same height, the same level as Christ. That means we have everything. We identify with him perfectly. To what extent? He's up there and we're down here. No, not at all. Not at all. In Ephesians 1, there's a statement that's curious about, at the end it says that we're the church And we're his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That is relative to his purpose as a creator. What does the creator do? He fills everything. Well, what do you mean everything in every way? He's talking about all the whole universe. Christ is the creator. All things were created by him and for him. So the creation needs a creator. So in his role as creator, we, the church, fill him. He, we complete him as he completes his role as creator of all things. I know the time is getting away from me here, and we didn't get too far. But that's all right. We have time. Um, we still have Colossians to cover. So we might look at Colossians. Why don't we do that, and then we'll close. So Colossians, I don't want to stop here, Colossians 2, 2 and 3 says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. So we certainly were not off when we looked at the Ephesians passage and we came to those conclusions, were we? If Paul says his goal, right? now, this is, we don't often get scriptures that say, well, well, my goal is this, right? His goal is that they may be encouraged. They, he's talking about the Laodiceans or all who've not met me personally, that will be me, right? So what is Paul's goal for me? Encouraged in heart, united in love. This is not just we walk around singing Kumbaya and, you know, you know those songs that talk about world peace and all that. This is love for what the Father's plan is. What God created all things for in the, in the first place. And do you have love for that? Somebody says, well, I have love for the planet. I recycle. Well, do you have love for the Father's plan? That he purposed before time began. Do you have love for that wisdom which was destined for our glory? Do you, do you have love for the height, the depth, the width, and the length of that plan? That's what this is. This is what he's talking about when he says united. And that, not just me, but the church in general, right, will have the same understanding so that they may have, and this is what will happen if they have that, that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. And Anytime it talks about riches and wealth and unsearchable wealth, it is a reference to what God has invested in the church. What he has invested in you, you are the church by the way, it's not a building. What if this is his eternal purpose, and it is through the church that he is accomplishing these things. And he calls it wealth here. That we would have the full riches. And here it is on this side of it. Complete understanding. So we may not have the fullness of everything. But what can we have on this side of it? We can know. We can, just like it says, that we might grasp the height, the width, the length, and the, and, and the love for Christ that Knowing this love that surpasses knowledge. So so here in, in 2, 2, and 3, so it says in order that they may know, and to be more specific, the mystery of God, namely Christ. That doesn't make it clear. I'm not sure what else we need from the scriptures to make it clear. And then it says in verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, much more should be said about this, and we're going to talk much more about it. But uh, we're going to have to continue next week. We'll take it in bites, bite size. So, next week we'll take a little more. There's more passages that we need to cover to understand the spirit of truth and his ministry in our lives the goal of the spirit of truth right the influence what well, if he is influencing us influencing us to do what right we should understand what that is and and be sure as we live deliberately the spiritual life let's bow our heads as we close thank you father for the privilege of uh, studying these things this this morning we thank you for those who have joined this conference. And uh, who have eyes to ear, hear eyes to see, and ears to hear. We we pray that as we continue to to minister in this world, that we will not be afraid. That whatever comes our way in in this world, that we will realize what our purpose is, why we're here in the first place, and that we will live lives that are purposeful and filled with the wisdom. in every step we make so that we can uh, understand how that many people are depending on us, not only for the gospel, but that they may come to understand the fullness of truth. All this we ask in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We continue to pray for this world, the pandemic that's out there, and we pray for the families of those who are losing loved ones, those who are sick as well our prayers and our heart goes out to them it's in christ's name we pray amen